Thank you, Eli. Awesome. Hey, you can take a seat. Um, just in worship, Neville, I uh, just saw you like a pigeon, and I was like, oh, Neville's just a pigeon, but uh, <laughs> but like a, uh, like a homing pigeon. You know, you're either a homing pigeon or a courier pigeon, and I think you're, you're both. You know, like at this time, there's an assignment for you to carry, obviously, from heaven to earth, but also there's going to be the sense of like, man, I know my compass. I know where I'm called. I'm homing in on, on where I need to be, and there's that real assurance that's going to go with you as you travel. So just be continuing to pray for Neville and Christine. Um, and one of the things as a church that we are really vigilant about is health and well-being. And uh, so be praying, especially when ministers go away, that families would not be hit with sickness. I know Daz and Bree fight that battle uh, many times uh, when Daz goes away. And so for when Neville goes, Christine's going to be well and healthy and strong. And so just continue. How many weeks are you away for, Neville? Four weeks. So we've got four weeks clocking on. Uh, to be praying and be really just write their names down uh, somewhere in your prayer diary or however you do that and um, make sure that you're really lifting them up on a daily basis. So thanks, Sasha. Cool. So, hey, we are starting. uh, It's just wonderful to see you all as well um, before I get into this. Thank you uh, for coming and being a part of uh, Sunday morning. It's just so much better when you're in the room. And so, yeah, we're starting a new series. Uh, I don't know how long it's going to be, maybe three or four weeks. It's going to be on identity. There is so much to say on this topic, um, especially at this time. And so identity, what does it mean? It it means who I am. Who are you? Who who am I? Who are you? And I think the world is in this space of really, man, so many lines of being redrawn on who we are and who we're entitled to be, and we could go down so many rabbit holes with that today, but um, I'm not going to do that. Uh, we're going to start this message actually today um, on the Father heart of God. And so first up around identity, if you're just here today and you're like, who am I? Who really am I? I want to remind you that the, the Bible says uh, that in Genesis 1, that he created them male and female, and he created them in his image. He created you in his image to, re- to reflect something of the nature and of the character of God. That is a high watermark for your life, isn't it? Wow. And you could get stuck, you know, many religious people can get stuck in the fact that we're just dirty, rotten sinners, just saved by grace, just just making it by the skin of our teeth. But, you know, through Christ Jesus, we are a new creation. The old is gone. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so we become image bearers of who God is. Not, um, we're not out to just try and make a name for ourselves, but we are here as, as children of of the Father. We're ambassadors, the New Testament even says, of another kingdom. And so I just want to come out of the gate today if you're feeling like a little bit unsure about who you are and just, you know, just, just dump that one on your lap and just say, hey, you're, you're an image bearer of the King. You're called to be that. Um, so my message today is, is called Find the Father's Voice, and a lot of the content that I have, I don't want to pretend that I'm that intelligent, um, comes from this book. 
It's called, uh, what is it called? Fathered by God. So I even forgot what the book was called. Fathered by God by John Eldridge. And it is a wonderful book. It's the best book I've written. I've written. Uh, <laughs> written. I wrote. I was a ghostwriter for John. Me and him were sweet. And uh, anyway, if you're after some reading material, it's, um, it's, it's a book. This, this uh, message I've done um, a couple of times actually in camps for guys. So this is a message for men today, uh, but it's also a message that is going to add a real value if you're not a man. If you are a mother, a daughter, a wife, or a grandma, this is really a journey that in part we all go on, but also this is about us actually being champions for each other as well. And so this is you, for, for you women, this is going to be like, oh, I understand where my man is at. I get him. I get him a little bit more now. I'm just stopping. I've got things I could say that are so cheeky, but I'm not. I'm not saying it. You know, um, yeah. I guess this is one of the biggest questions that we all wrestle in life with, especially young people. Would wrestle with this tension. You know, uh, will I be loved, and will I be capable of loving? Will I be loved, and will I be capable of loving. And that is the biggest, you know, I guess the biggest cry if we don't know Jesus in our hearts, if we don't know the Father's love in our hearts is, man, well, am, I, am, I, am I lovable? Am I lovable? And so today I want to give a bit of a foundation of our identity as men, and it really starts with this big revelation that we are loved. You know, the last verse in the Old Testament says something super profound. It says, you know, that God would turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of their children to the father. And so God's actually saying, hey, right, I'm right on the edge of this new covenant. Jesus is about to come. And in this time, there's going to be this incredible, uh, this incredible kind of new wave of understanding who God is, that God is father. So my history, a little, I want to give you just a little bit of my history, and then we're going to get some volunteers up. I'm going to ask for six guy volunteers, all right? Uh, so if you uh, just want to get yourself ready, we don't want to muck around this morning, guys. So if you want to be a volunteer, just start, just get up here, all right? Not just right now, but just get in your mind, I'm going to be a volunteer. I'm going to be a volunteer. I'm going to, be a, I'm going to do that. Okay, so let's get out of that. And, okay, so just... Um, Grew up in Blenheim, Johnny Collette. That's his hometown as well, so um, good spot. And my, um, my dad was a pilot in Blenheim, flew uh, British, actually did fly for British Airways when he was in the UK, but he uh, fr- flew Bristol's and Argosy's, which were really old school planes just made after World War II. We used to go just to the airport for fun after church sometimes on Sundays or Saturdays and just walk through the hangars and look at Skyhawks and I just wanted to be a pilot. I was just like, this is my destiny. And I drew a lot of aeroplanes. I actually ended up becoming an artist because I got so good at drawing. And so anyway, um, that's a true story. And um, I, you know, he, he, um, he did so many good things. Let me just, like, my dad is one of our biggest encouragers. Whenever we go and see them, he is just out of the gate just going, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of what you're doing and who you've become. And, um, and that's amazing, but I just want to say it wasn't always like that. It, um, our relationship, actually, 
became really disjointed when I was around 13 years old especially, but it started happening at a younger age. And, you know, I want to say this is a caveat as well, is that fathers can only give what they have out of their own experience and out of the wisdom and knowledge that they have. And if so they've got hurt and if they've had bad experiences with their own father, then, man, that's just going to manifest in the way that they father. So... When I was a child, we holidayed in the Kaiteri region, and I'm sorry if you've heard this story before, but you know, if we know Kaiteri, Terry, and you go up the beach, and then when the tide's out, you can make it around that little island at the end, all right, becomes a, a bit of a landmass, and so we'd done this, my cousin and I, we'd just gone ahead of the family, and we'd run ahead of everyone, we're having this great time looking at rock pools, and then suddenly we realize, oh, where's mum and dad, I don't know, and, and so we go, we go back looking for them, can't find them, so we're like, oh, we'll just push on, we'll go around the island and we'll and then maybe we'll find them on the other side they weren't there so we thought oh we'll go to the main beach so we just ended up going back to the main beach and just started making a dam with the wee stream that's there because that's what you do and uh who knows that wee stream right Kaiteri Beach you make the dam and you let yeah yeah that's it and so anyway we're having fun doing that making the dam and then I see my dad coming uh from a distance and I'm like relieved okay I'm like I have I I was kind of stressing out where the heck was mum and dad and and so I'm like I run to dad and I'm like this is a good moment I'm gonna get like relief and I was looking for a hug and I got a hiding I got a real kind of like man um a big a big 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 old physical correction uh it was and at that time that actually shifted something in my heart towards my father. What it did was it just broke a connection of trust that I thought I had with him. And it, it, when you're nine years old, you have no idea what's going on internally, right? You just know, oh, I, I'm not, I don't feel as safe as I did around my dad. And I, and I received that not as correction, but I receive that as rejection. You know, we can always, you know, correction or reject, you know, some, what's the saying? It, it says um, correction is not rejection, okay? So the flip side of that is that when someone is telling you, hey, just pull your ideas together or whatever, it's not, they're not being rejected, they're actually trying to help you. But in this moment, I receive this as rejection. And, you know, children are great receivers and poor interpreters. And I was interpreting this whole moment as that my dad is not a safe person. And I was really disorientated with his anger at that time as well. And, and there were other moments my dad at times did get angry and quite frustrated at me and my brother because we used to fight all the time. And fair enough. And, um, and so I, I, I just I, I started a process of disconnecting from my dad and then as a teenager with this growing disconnection from my dad I had this limited compass from him to tell me whether I was going the right way or not and then I started I just I had irrational fears around everything as a teenager I just re- remember even the fear of getting my license, and, and that's probably quite normal in, in, in many ways. I was so afraid of, I remember, of going to the petrol pump to put petrol in my car for the first time. I was absolutely terrified. All these ir- irrational fears that would just come and just, just torment me, actually. To become a man, every boy must have 
a guide. You know, a father needs to show a boy how to fix a bike, how to, you know, how to go fishing, how to date the right girl. That's really important. How to get a job. And how to do many things on the journey of being ready to become a man. And John Eldridge says that there are six stages of a man's life. And so at this point, if you said in your heart earlier on, I want to be a volunteer. I'm, I'm a man and I want to be, this is your moment. I need six volunteers right now. Six volunteers. Come on. Let's give those guys a hand. Yes. Whoa, look, you guys are ready. We can have peers. You can hold hands. Uh, no. Okay, six on stage. I've oh, got two too many. I might just scooch this way, and then we're just going to line you guys up on the front that way over there so we can just... Sorry, correction is not rejection. Maths didn't reject you, just corrected you. All right, so we'll go, let's go beloved son this way. And then so Sasha's just going to give you guys um, a prop here. Uh, And so just as the props get rolled out, um, we've got a cap for the beloved son. Uh, So you've already got a cap. but Okay, there we go. Noise. Uh, so we've got the cap there. We're going to have the cowboy hat uh, for Blake. Yeehaw! Uh, we're going to have the the warrior, which is the um, no, no, no. That's the end. The warrior is the lightsaber. We got a lightsaber. We got the lover. That's right. We didn't rehearse that. Well done, Joe. Uh, we've got the king next in line. King Gary. <laughs> and then we have got the sage. We've got Gandalf down the end there. So good. So this is our incredible handsome lineup here this morning. And the, and the big idea in behind this is that actually there are stages that every man can go through in life. But men and women, this is, I want you to embrace this as well. You could see yourself as a queen uh, in there as well. But we can get stuck in a stage and never actually transition on to that next part of our life. So I just want to actually just take five minutes. So you guys are going to just stay on stage here and just stay comfortable with everyone looking at you and just feeling like totally relaxed. Uh, we're going to start with this, uh, the, the beloved son first up. This is the son. This is where the boy can and should learn that he is beloved from his parents, beloved in his father's eyes, and totally, you know, it's not about what he can do, it's about who he is. It's about that he was born and he's treasured in the family. We're going to say a little bit more about you a bit later, so that's all right. And then we've got the, the next stage is Cowboy. And so this is a cool stage. This is kind of like, yeehaw, this is where um, young men must experience danger and adventure. And if you could put this in a biblical context, you would think of King David when he was a, you know, a cowboy young man and he killed the lion 
and the bear before he was ready to take on Goliath as a, as a, as a warrior, really. But he spent his teenage years roaming and being a shepherd and just kind of testing his strength. This is an experimental time for young men. This is a time to test limitations and abilities. And sometimes young guys, I don't know if you've ever noticed, they do crazy stuff. And you're like, what the heck? Why did you do that? It's partly because their frontal lobe isn't yet fully developed. But they are testing their limitations. Young men go to war. They're not thinking about consequences as much. They're just going, let's go. Let's go. I'm here. Look at my strength. I want to go. And many men actually never grow out of the cowboy stage. And I met up with a guy that I flattered with recently, um, 20 plus years ago, and he was just in the same space. He was actually stuck in alcohol. He was living for the weekends. He had a limited moral compass. And I was like, man, this is sad. You're one lost guy 20 years on. And so we have this, also we have this post-Christian societal emphasis at the moment that is trying to empower younger and younger children or teenagers or younger and younger cowboys really and cowgirls to make life-defining decisions independent from their parents' will that will affect their bodies and affect their sexual health, their mental health for the rest of their lives. And man, they still need, you know, the father's voice in their lives at that time. The, the cowgirls and cowboys, they need reliable guides. And at this time, you know, probably more so than ever before. And so the, the cowboy, this is a challenge for the cowboy, if you're a cowboy out there. Uh, the challenge, you know, for a, for a teenager, really, is actually is to remain and treasure a heart connection with the father or the mother. To, to remain as a beloved son because they need the Father's wisdom. And the key for this in this stage in life is humility. And the, and the cowboy will get this, will never transition to the next stage and become a trusted warrior, yeah, the warrior, if he doesn't have humility in his heart. He will just go round and round the mountain facing the same things and, self, and, and, and destroying himself from the inside as well. So the, the cowboy's got to be teachable, he's got to be willing, he's got to be humble to be initiated. This is really important. That this, this stage really needs to be initiated strongly into the next stage by a father guide. By, and, and that father guide, you know, is, is, is a person as well. Super important to have the right people in our lives. And yes, the father... God the Father can help us, and he is in the middle of all these transitions, obviously, as well. So the warrior, now, I want you to think of Lord of the Rings at this stage, and the character Strider. Does everyone know if I, I said Strider or Aragon? Okay, so Strider, come on. Think of Aragon before he was Aragon. He was Strider, and he, was, he roamed the wilderness. He roamed the wilderness uh, like a cowboy, all right? like a cowboy, but he found his cause, and then he became connected to the fellowship of the ring, and he became Aragon. And so he, he, he was able to transition from cowboy to warrior because he discovered a cause that he was willing to give his life to. Super important for men to find a cause that is bigger than themselves. And this is, you know, a cowboy can become a warrior like in our world, like when he leaves home, all right, when he gets a good job, when he goes off to pursue uh, his life 
uh, call and mission. And, and, and a cowboy, what's required, sorry, not of a cowboy, but of a warrior, what is required of a warrior is, is, is when a man needs to show his true grit. This is where a man has to, you know, be faithful. This is where a man has to commit. This is where a man has to hold the course and fight the good fight of faith. You know, and, and actually Paul said that to Timothy as a father. He said, Timothy, young man, fight the good fight of faith. So young man, fight the good fight of faith. You're called to be a warrior. You're called to be a warrior. Okay, so then we're going to transition on to um, that sexy beast over there, the lover. <laughs> I don't know if you can say that in church, but I did. Um, <laughs> so this is interesting because at roughly the same time, but hopefully not before, the man yeah, where he's learning to, you know, that life is a battle and a wrestle, the warrior must also learn to fight for the one he loves and become a lover. But he still remains a warrior, you know, for the rest of his life. And so if this guy transitions to a lover without becoming a warrior, he ends up as a cowboy lover. And this, we probably kind of know this as a player. <laughs> Boo, yeah. So the player has no concept that there is no greater love than to lay down your life for a friend. And Jesus said this, that, you know, and, and he modeled that, well, actually Paul said this once again. He said, you know, as Christ loved the church and surrendered his life, husbands, you lay down your life for your wives, just as Christ laid his life down for the church. So the player, though, just to tease this out a bit more, the cowboy lover, he's trapped in this false reality that love and sex are just benefits of becoming an adult with the view that love and sex are ways to escape reality or that sex is just proof of manhood. That's not what being a lover is. Being a lover is being someone who I am willing to surrender who I am to your betterness, to your well-being, to who you are. And I know just at home sometimes at our meal table when we're all together at a family, you know, love actually declares out that it's here. It says it's here. And so sometimes at the meal table, I will just declare my love for Debbie in front of the kids. I'll just remind them that she is worth, she is worthy to be honored in our family, that I'll let them know that she has, you know, my heart and will recount our, our, our dating, you know, story and our marriage. And they absolutely love, they just lap it up every time. We could say it every week and they're like, because <laughs> I exaggerate everything, right? <laughs> Not really. So anyway, we'll just move on or we could just stay all day on some of these. Each, each one of these we could do a message on each one of these kind of um, transitional moments here. Many years later, this is interesting, many years later, this is something um, that we need to take hold of. The warrior and the lover become a king. That is where a man steps into true leadership and responsibility, often guiding and directing the lives of others. And this is often a place of convergence, where a man's identity as a beloved son his experience as a cowboy and a warrior, his gifts and his, uh, his talents, they all converge together. And the call from God, 
all right, is in the middle of that. They all come together and they come into this place and there can be a, 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 a platform for influence in this place. And so a place of convergence can happen for, you know, to come into this kind of king space is in the marketplace, in schools, in government, in church ministry. And this, is, this can be, but is not only a place of prominence or significance. And I want to say that, like, being a king doesn't mean to say that you're going to be necessarily be the leader of a large team. Um, if you think of uh, men might get this, a kingpin, which connects the steering wheel with the axle on a vehicle, and it's actually kind of old school technologies in, in trucks, and, they, and, and they're there because they can carry much heavier weights, and they're, and they're still actually featured on some trucks today. And you wouldn't know that they're there, but without them, the vehicle wouldn't be fit for a purpose, all right? And so the king may not have the highest level of prominence, but they are masters of their assignment, all right? That's something really important for some guy to hear right now, right? You may not actually be like where you thought you were going to be, but you're actually, you've become a master of your assignment and you're able to carry this unseen weight of leadership in your life. And actually, I just think of Peter Frew here, who is a real king in this way and sage as well but anyway we're not at that space yet and so Peter worked 50 plus years for Air New Zealand right retired in COVID and actually had been called back um, because there's only few in, in New Zealand that can do what he can do and he's almost working full-time for Air New Zealand again I think as far as I know because he's just so good in his role so let's put our hands together for Peter because he's amazing Okay, we are getting there. And lastly, okay, we are on to the sage. Let's put our hands together for the sage. And so this is, um, this stage of life, this is uh, generally not always for the older generation and where men get to share their wisdom, uh, their authority with other men and women. They uh, help guide them on their journey. And if you think of some characters in the Bible, like Moses, for example, he would have led almost as a sage, a man of wisdom, a man of authority, a man of guidance. He was also a, also fit the king-type role as well. When you think of um, Papa Smurf, he's kind of like the sage of the Smurfs. <laughs> uh, Who do you think of Gandalf? Gandalf, you know, you shall not pass with the staff. Authority. Um, I remember uh, Granddad. Uh, this was—he's not with us anymore. An amazing man. Um, so, how do I work this out? Debbie's Granddad. That's right. So I married into the the, the family, and at the age of ninety-three, he was still—I think he was still mowing lawns at at New Life School. He approached me and said, "Hey, why don't we go on and invest in a property together?" And I'll, and he said, "And I'll build another house." 93-year-olds don't generally do that. But he initiated, and he, he convinced me to come and look at this property and all that, and was like, okay, we'll do that. And so he said about, and it wasn't easy. It wasn't a, a, an easy journey, but Granddad was like, let's do this. The amazing thing about Granddad in his old, old age, in his 90s, he never got stale. When, he, when an iPads came out, it was like, I'm getting myself an iPad. I'm learning. I'm going to stay as a learner. And I never really heard him say, I'm too old to. 
I'm to, he was always present. He was a man of prayer and of faith. And our church family needs the older generation. Let's just put our hands together for the older generation. You guys, you could take a seat. Thank you very much. Just didn't they do well? How's is this helpful? So, for our masculinity as men, it's a very significant part of our identity, and it needs to be imparted to us. A boy learns who he is and what he's made of from a man or a company of men. This can't be learned from any other place. It can't just be learned from your mates, or it can't just be learned from a company of women. And this is why church family is super important across the generations. And we probably need to somehow help connection across generations uh, even more so. But a boy can only become a man through the active intervention of his father or father figures and the fellowship of men. And now I don't want to feel like I don't want you girls to feel like you're missing out here because this is the same for women as well. Women need to be called up, need to be noticed, need to be affirmed and and called out. And we're going to be speaking. We've got a couple of weeks actually on um, on that topic as well coming up in this series as well. Um, John Eldridge says this: What we have now is a world of uninitiated men, partial men, boys mostly walking around, probably cowboys too in men's bodies, with men's jobs and families, finances and responsibilities. Most of us, in some part, are actually unfinished men because we never had the opportunity to become sons of a loving father. So today, I want to encourage everyone in this building today, male or female, to find the father's voice as a son or daughter. The father is calling us into a great adventure with him. So we really need to know who we are in him because what we believe about the value of ourselves, well, that will actually create this deep internal place of belief in our hearts that will either qualify us for our call and our purpose, or you could be living disqualified because you don't know who you are and you've never been initiated through change. You know, Jesus, who is, you know, is the most influential person that's ever lived on this planet. He had gifts. He had anointing. He had popularity. He had supernatural power. You know, he rose people from the dead. He fed 5,000 people with loaves and fish. And Jesus had so many options, you know, and he was a man. And what did he say? In John 5.19, he said, I tell you, the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son also does. Jesus called himself as a son. And we can see in the scripture that he was so dependent on his father. Now, what we need to do I feel like the Holy Spirit has just said, just drop this right here into my spirit right now. We need to break an independent spirit. You need Jesus. You need the Father. You need to be, we need to be dependent on the Father. 
You're not a self-made man or woman. You're made in the image of God. And you're called to carry His purpose. And His purpose is found in you knowing who you are in Him. Jesus, I will only do what I see the Father doing. What if, church, what if we were those people? What if we just went, right, I want to take stock of everything I'm doing, everything I own, everything that's in the bank, everything. What's the Father saying about all this stuff, about the course of life that I am on? Jesus taught his followers the prayer, and he said, you know, it's our Father. It's our Father. It's not our Lord. It is. Of course, he is Lord. But he's like, actually, no, this is the approach. (laughs) You're a son. You're a group of young men, and you need to know that your Father is a good God, and he does not change. What does it say in James 1? That he he is the Father of heavenly lights. He does not change like shifting shadows. Every good gift comes from Him. How good is our Father? And everyone here has got different experiences of what and who our Father is, our earthly Father has been to us. Or maybe you don't know your Father. You've never, you could sit here today and say, man, I've never really had a Father figure in my life. And no matter how good uh, or bad you know your your father was, and in the natural he was never perfect. And all of us need guidance. We all need the grace of our heavenly Father. We all need His guidance and grace. And you know, when as a teenager, um, school was a was actually just a complete nightmare for me. The whole learning education thing just didn't really fit my kind of paradigm and um, I was at Marlborough Boys and I was bullied and I had oh, I just had some really negative experiences dry grass rammed down my throat I remember one day for lunchtime that was didn't taste very nice and um, I was pushed around I was punched in the head and um, I was picked last for sports teams I hated that that was probably the worst um, and I was a really small 13-year-old as well, and it wasn't until my late teens that I became the physical beast that now stands before you all. And I know, right? <laughs> but in that place, in Marlborough Boys High School, in that place, in the company of men, I was learning about who I was from other guys, and I was not proud of myself. I was actually ashamed. I was super ashamed and I was looking into all these guys around me for my identity and they were just broken mirrors, broken people reflecting back a broken identity and a broken reflection of who I was. And, and I was learning the lie. The devil was just like handed everything to me on a plate of who, you know, of, of, that I was a reject and I didn't belong and I just constantly compared myself to others. And I was super lost. I was super insecure because I didn't know who I was. And I learned one thing I learned that I was alone. That was, that was something that I learned the hard way. And I thought about some dark things. I thought about escape. I thought about suicide. I felt unfinished. I felt half started. I felt incomplete. And I had no assurance that I was going to make it in life. And I did everything that I could 
to fill the void. I had this such a deep sense of insecurity. And I looked, um, you know, so many uh, wrong relationships, porn, cars, music, alcohol, you know, just all that stuff. Just all those dead ends that you just can find yourself going down. And, you know, you know, you've probably discovered that more scars, more stuff, more money, more muscles, more popularity, more wrinkles, none of those are true qualifications that can graduate us into the Father's presence or to graduate us into the next phase of strength and identity and purpose that we need. We are body, soul, and spirit, and we can have so much stuff on the outside, but we could be microscopic little beings on the inside because we don't know who we are. And our soul and our spirit, that deep internal place of belief is where we discover our greatest success or our limitations, as I said. You know, the prodigal son, if you know the story, this guy just rejected his family. He rejected his dad. He blew half his dad's inheritance. And he ended up in the gutter. And his father saw him while he was still a long way off, and he ran to him. And the son, he received back his lost identity. You know, he, it was a ring, there was a robe, there was new shoes, he had some new kicks. And, and his dad threw a crazy party for him. His inheritance was fully reinstated. And this family was like, the celebration was like, hey, you're part of the family, come and belong. Come, come and belong to the Father's house. <laughs> I see you, the Father's like, I see you. And I'm running. I'm going to run towards you. And the thing is, though, is that we cannot receive our inheritance, our identity, our call, our anointing from someone that we're not connected to. We have to have a connection. And a good father, a good father, a good, good father, he receives us where we are at. That's what a good dad does. And I want to just, you know, just tell someone today that the Father is leaning in towards your life. He's leaning in towards your broken identity, to your cowboy nature that was never to, able to transition because you were never felt secure enough in your identity or you never had a, a dad to say, you can make it. Or you were never humble enough to say, I need help. But the Father is saying some powerful things over your life today. He's saying, shame off you. He's saying there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And I guess we need to come to this point as men and just kind of own the fact that we can't make life work on our own. And maybe that's a, a big thought for someone here today because to become a man the first journey in this is to recognize that you need to be a beloved son you need to hear the father's voice and what's he saying to you today what's the Holy Spirit whispering to your heart right now men and women what's he saying what's the father 
of love, the Father of goodness, the Father of grace. What's He saying over your life today? You know, as a 20-year-old, I was in the, in the party scene, went to a youth group dance, drunk, and I was called out by this youth pastor, Dave, and he spoke into my life. He confronted the hopeless path that I was on, and he challenged me to make, you know, to make Jesus the Lord of my life. And, and he gave me just what I needed in that moment. He spoke truth to me. He told me to stop living like I was lost, essentially, <laughs> because you're found in the Father's eyes. And he called me out into my destiny. And, and that day that he said that to me, I left everything. I left my flat. I left my friends. I left that whole scene, pulled my whole life into a van. Um, after that meeting at 12, after church one day, because he said, come to me after church. And, and I just went, I'm it. That's it. I'm just making a big decision today. And I moved, and I moved back to Rangiora. And I, I remember the, crossing the Waimak Bridge. And the Holy Spirit said to me, you're going to meet your wife soon. And I met Debbie about two weeks later, and I was like, man, the Father's good. <laughs> mm. You know, every destiny has a starting point. Every destiny has a starting point. And if we don't know who we are, you've got no platform to launch your destiny from. You can't start as a cowboy. You can't start as a warrior. You can't start as a king. You must start as a son. I just wonder if everyone just, or daughter, you must start as a son or daughter. Let me just say that. Just just everyone close your eyes right now. I just want you to just ask the Spirit, uh, the, the Holy Spirit, ask the Father really. How do you see me? How do you see me? How do you see me, Father? the prodigal son had to come home to find the father's voice he couldn't just stay where he was and coming into the father's heart, into the father's house, into the father's kingdom means actually coming out of your own coming out of your own past, your own brokenness your own pride and surrendering your life and in this process actually in coming to the Father there may be there will be a letting go of what your own earthly father wasn't to you or the experiences that you've received as a man or woman from men the bad experiences the broken mirrors reflecting back to you and showing you a distortion of how the Father sees you. 
And the Father's just like, yeah, I can see your experiences. I can see your pain and I can see your confusion, but I still, I still receive you. I still love you and I want to heal you. I want to heal you and I want to show you. I want to show you my nature and I want to call you out and I want to call you up and I just want to love you as a father loves, as a true father loves. I just wonder if we could all just stand. Could just have those um, guys that I just spoke with earlier today and maybe during the week, the, the older, no, not all, not that old, you know, just like the over 50-ish area um, guys. Neville, if you want to be a part of this as well. Um, any, I may have just missed any other leaders. I just had a random kind of like, oh, I should do this moment. So these, um, these incredible men are up here just to release blessing over, over you. It's not, a, it's not going to be a, a big prophetic time. Um, but if one of you guys actually do get, get a prophecy for someone, then track them down later. But we just want to keep this, this moment moving. Because I just want, um, just in this moment, for the, for the affirmation of the Father heart to be just released into your life. Just the blessing of the Father. This beautiful declaration in Ephesians says that we are blessed in heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. Now that comes from the Father of heavenly lights. Just before we do that though, I just want to lead some people through a prayer here and we'll just all pray this together Jesus and just Jesus I choose to forgive my dad I release him from my judgment I forgive him for his absence his anger his words for the way he treated my mum and my family. Thank you, God, that I came through my... Uh, thank you, God, that I came through my dad. But I did not come from my dad. Father God, I receive, I receive you as my dad. Shape me, Father, even if it hurts. I want to become the man or woman <laughs> that you're calling me to be. Love from your child.